And hello, everyone. Welcome to this final episode of QC Brief. I'm here with Michael Forian. The campaign ended. Uh, if you haven't catched that episode, uh, of course, it's too late now because the elections happened. So <laughs> <laughs> there's no point in watching that episode. Uh, but uh, yeah, Michael, how's it going, buddy? It's going and and george as they say all good things must finally come to an end uh unfortunately both yeah. both the election campaign and this podcast but maybe we'll be back for a different yeah. iteration or something yeah, no, no, no. this podcast doesn't end this podcast won't end. this exactly. is just a special for the campaign and we can exactly. we can transform this any any which way we like anyway um so let's just take a uh, let's just take up from uh, from where we left off uh, on the last episode on Monday. That was election day. We were talking a little bit about what what had happened during the campaign, what we were projecting uh, the results would be. Um, yeah, surprised at all, but obviously nobody's surprised by the results. I mean, everyone was expecting the CAC to make a government. People were saying at least the last week. Uh, into the campaign that the liberals would pretty much secure the opposition. Yeah. It would probably be, it would be status quo in the in the parliament, and that's exactly what happened. Um, in terms of results, though, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. So just the seat count: ninety seats for the CAC, twenty-one for the POQ, which will be forming official opposition. Eleven for Quebec Solidaire, three for the PQ, and a big fat zero for the Conservative Party of Quebec. Now, I think that we all thought that uh, you know. The, the cap was going to, again, perform reasonably well. I did have them a little bit higher. I had them at around 95, maybe even touching 100 seats. Same. Because they were that competitive in so many of the races, especially in and around the island of Montreal. And the PLQ, I think also, they, they as, as much as the CAC underperformed, I think the PLQ overperformed. Um, expectations for many of us that were, were, were expecting them to you know, collapse at this point. Yeah. They did lose. They did lose ten seats. They went from thirty-one that they had they had gained in twenty eighteen, down to twenty-one. Now, of course, they started off with um, a much lower number than that in thirty-one because of you know resignations, subsequent by-elections that were picked up by the CAC. Um, so, in any case, they weren't starting off with that thirty-one number that they had uh, in the twenty eighteen election. But I, but I, I think it is important that if we're going to be comparing from one election to another, that's that's the way that we're right. doing it. Mm-hmm. Quebec Solidaire, again, I, I think that they maintained the status quo. They picked up one seat. Uh, so they were able, and they, and they and they lost a seat also in the greater Quebec City area. Um, so, uh, sorry, not in the, in the oh, Rwanda, yeah. rather, excuse me. In Abitibi, yeah. Exactly. Rwanda, they, they lost a seat there, which is going to be a big gain for the CAC because that is the riding where there is the the um, the, the, the Fonderie de Rwanda up there. Uh, where it's obviously been causing a lot of controversy and a lot of environmental concerns for the residents up there and has been really giving the, you know, Legault uh, some, some difficult uh, days in the media, especially as Minister of the Environment, on, on the issues that are going up over there. So the fact that he's able to obtain a seat in that area, uh, take it away from QS, really does fit with his narrative that, listen, it's not as bad as people are saying it is. I've got the situation under the, under control. And look, I've got the tip of the hat from the population over there, giving me uh, their confidence to go forward and to represent them in the National Assembly. And then with the PQ, uh, listen, it it could have been a lot worse. It could have been zero and it ended up being three. So, you know, conserving uh, stronghold ridings that they had previously um, and then uh, also picking up uh, the biggest win of the night, uh, I think, for uh, any leader. And this was, uh, you know, obviously a... I would say maybe a, a make it or break it was the winning for PSPP of his riding in Camille Lorraine. Yeah. 
beating um, the CAC candidate Richard Campo um, in in the the writing in in Eastern Montreal. So that was that was a huge victory on that front. Yeah, there, that, that was big for him. Let me let me go back to what you're saying about the results because we both yeah. I think had the CAC higher and we both had the Liberals lower. Yes. Do you think that that whole immigration thing came into play the last five six days? Do you think that? move the needle a bit especially in the writings in laval the south shore um west of montreal i think it hardened the cac base where they were already uh sure to win mm-hmm. or were on track to win way before uh, this came into play and i think that in areas like montreal like uh writings like maurice richard certain laval writings that they weren't able to capture like uh, let's say Milil, uh Chamedé, um, you know, uh, in Brossard and Lapiniere, these very heavy uh, multi-culti writings where had a comment like that not been made, uh, the, uh, you know, they may have been able to pick up those, those four or so writings, maybe even more. Uh, I'm just giving those as four examples because those have a higher concentration mm-hmm. of multicultural groups of ethnic groups. And, and that's pertinent to the immigration comments on that front. However, you know, there, there, are, there is definitely an appetite within the CAC uh, for comments that are anti-immigrant, that are, uh, you know, may- maybe n- not as inclusive or as diverse as other political parties' opinions, such as the Quebec Liberal Party. When you see and you, you, when you break down how close it was in writings like Beausseur and in the Beausnall, um, between, we're talking a few hundred votes, between the CAC winning, which they did, and the PCQ winning, uh, which, again, it was only a few hundred votes away, I think that's the difference between certain rhetoric because some people will feel more secure saying, you know what, Legault, he's going to come in, he's going to really keep a cap on immigration, keeping it at 50,000 per year. That's something that I, uh, that, that, that speaks to me and his comments, what he's talking about Montreal, not no longer having a say in our affairs that resonates with me. And I feel that he's speaking their language when he's speaking to them. Um, do I agree with it? Not necessarily, but uh, I do think that that maybe it it's it saved him from in the end he had to cut off the the fat in Montreal, uh, trim the fat there in order to save uh, his his furniture uh, over in the Beauce, uh and and those areas where the PCQ yeah. was looking to make some gains where they made none whatsoever Which, and and yeah. that, that's a huge defeat for Eric Zoyam. that's a that's that's uh, but I again I don't think he's going anywhere we've discussed this before I think he's going to be staying on for the long run mm-hmm. and he's going to be going the route of Maxime Bernier having zero representation inside of the assembly but trying to build a movement and continue to build this movement from the outside fundraising is going to be important for him uh, rallies of this nature keeping the government accountable uh, when it comes to if we have an increase of of COVID measures, um, increase of COVID cases and COVID measures uh, as as we approach the winter time, uh, that's going to be something to watch. What is doing going to do on that front? Now he's going to take it easy. Now he's going to take it to uh, take it slow. And and I think all party leaders and all parties are taking a break right now. But that's going to be certainly one to watch. I mean, let's look at it regionally because what you're saying probably did save Legault in uh, in uh, in the Greater Quebec region. Um, it definitely blocked him from you know, making gains in, in Montreal. Although, even though he lost Camille Lorrain to the PQ, he did gain Anjou. He took that from the Liberals. So at the end of the day, he still left with two seats in Montreal. But which, was, which was expected. Which was expected. Yeah, they were expecting Anjou. Um, uh, and, uh, but remember we were talking about Maurice Richard going we to the CAC. I thought they were going to make maybe one or two gains. 
um, Maurice Richard being one of them, and Marquette being uh, the second, which Marquette, but at the end, you know, I mean, uh, Enrico Ciccone won with a very comfortable majority. Um, the other two seats that we were questioning on the island of Montreal were Verdun and Saint-Henri Saint-Anne. Uh, so Saint-Henri Saint-Anne being Dominique Anglade's seat, Verdun being Isabelle um, Melançon's uh, seat. Mm-hmm. Verdun went to Quebec Solidaire, and uh, finally, uh, Dominique Anglade was able to maintain her seat. Well, was able to maintain her seat with having, to my understanding, from what I'm hearing at the POQ, having basically everybody at the Pepmanas, at the PLQ headquarters, go and do phone calls for her door to door. She had no volunteers mm. from her own writing associate, yeah. from her own campaign, and had to rely on volunteers coming from the party headquarters. That says a lot about how there's poor groundwork in her writing. Yeah. The only thing that saved her was, again, any party leader is going to have a certain popularity effect because they're center stage, they're in the debates, they're in the news, uh, they're all over their plaster all over the media, they're going to get a certain boost in their own riding because of the profile they're getting because they are a major party leader. That, along with the fact that she had volunteers in the ground coming from other campaigns, coming from the headquarters, I think was able to put her over the edge, mm, yeah. safely and securely. Speaking of Montreal, uh, of course, Quebec Solidaire made those two gains in Maurice Richard and in Verdun, which is huge for them. And it comes back to what we were saying in a couple episodes, where is Quebec Solidaire and the Liberal Party of Quebec reduced to just regional parties with marginal support? Uh, And it seems that that's the case. I mean, with the exception of... The one seat Quebec Solidaire was able to, to to hold on to in Sherbrooke, and the two in Quebec, Jean Lesage. Uh, no, did they? They 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 did they? Yeah, they kept Jean. They kept, they kept Jean Lesage and Tashero. So aside from those three seats out in the region, essentially, Quebec Solidaire and the Liberals are just you know stuck on the island of Montreal because even the even even the Liberals have uh, one seat outside of Montreal, which is uh, Pontiac, which yep. is uh, André Fortin. And if you consider Laval and the South Shore, I mean, I still consider it Montreal, but I mean, you know, you have uh, uh, La Pinière, uh, Chamery, and Melil that are outside of Montreal, but theoretically it's still Montreal. Uh, aside from that, I mean... Zero representation in Quebec City. Mm. Uh, zero representation in the in the Saguenay-Lac-Saint-Jean area. Nowhere in the north. Nowhere, nowhere in the east. Yes, the eastern townships is, is, is wiped out for them. So there, there's nothing uh, there. They weren't able to... And, and again... When we're talking about there's nothing there, if you look at the the, the breakdown, riding by riding, we're talking in some ridings outside of Montreal, 5% I've seen, 6%. My understanding is that there's only 35 ridings, 35 ridings, and this is very important for financial calculations for reimbursements from the DGEQ, only 35 ridings for the Quebec Liberal Party were able to get more than 15% of the vote. Mm. Now, I believe that 15% is the threshold in terms of being able to, in terms of getting reimbursed. Yeah. Is it half of your expenses, uh, George? If I'm correct, or your complete expenses for the? I think the, it's the complete expenses. The complete expenses. So if you so you think about that, they were only able they're only able to get the expenses reimbursed for them. This is a big financial hit for them, and 35 ridings out of 125, that is embarrassing, mm-hmm. and that is a huge uh, detriment to them financially going forward. Now uh, and and again. Looking in the Quebec City region, looking up in in the in the Saguenay Lac Saint Jean, looking in the Estrie, five percent, eight percent, some eleven, twelve, thirteen percent, but mostly single digits and low uh, teens. That is not going to bode well 
uh, for the future of the party. No. And again, I think that also goes into the future of Dominique Anglada as leader yeah. because uh, seeing what people have been saying uh, going forward in regards to um, you know the the uh, keeping her on as leader. That to me is just, it's, yeah, I, know. I don't see how there's a path forward. Uh, and neither do I. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Before we get there, let me just finish with a couple of uh, areas. Sherbrooke, surprise for me. I was convinced that Caroline Saint-Hilaire was going to pull it off for the CAC. Uh, hats off to um, uh, to uh, to the Quebec Solidaire uh, incumbent MA over there that was able to keep it. Uh, she did a fantastic job. And Caroline Saint-Hilaire, I mean, this is a heavyweight uh, you know, she's never lost a political campaign. She had four mandates with the Bloc Québécois. She had uh, uh, two mandates as a mayor in Longueuil. She was a heavyweight. Like in the, in 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 a, in terms of the new candidates coming in for the CAC, I think Caroline Saint-Hilaire with Bernard Drainville were probably the two top candidates that they had. And um, I kind of felt bad. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't want to say that I hope she won or whatever, because I feel I'm happy that, you know, Quebec Solidaire maintained it. But at the same yeah. time, I, I was convinced that Caroline Saint-Hilaire was coming into the National Assembly. So good on... Uh, I think and you know what? She'll, she'll get a, a an ambassadorship post uh, or at least a Quebec version of an ambassadorship yeah. post, delegate yeah. general post somewhere, uh, be it Paris or um, New York City or, or some sort of posting if she wants that. Um, or we'll head up something more at home here in Quebec uh, as part of a... Uh, you know the 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 uh, the 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 Quebec uh, uh, fun, uh, the bureaucracy. She'll she'll be able to head something up, an appointment in essentially. Yeah. Um, uh, so so my my point my order and council appointments. My point being is that she'll be fine um, in terms of being taken care of. Oh, in that absolutely. respect, there, she ran a good campaign. I think no everybody gives her that and, and that kind of credibility. But there was also people like Martine Biron, mm. um, you know, former Radio Canada journalist who you know was it was running in um, in the Chaudière Appalaches uh, did did very considerably well was able to fend off the conservatives over there and ensure that they didn't get to capture any seats um, over in that region, uh, just north of the Bose. So my, my point being is that it's, there's still, a, I think, pretty good, um, there's, there's pretty good uh, people in terms of uh, the go wanting to use this caucus to build. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and he's going to, uh, he's going to have, a, yeah, he's going to have a tough time selecting his cabinet, which was, he saw. And, and again, the blessing in disguise would have been if he had like, you know, received like 70 seats or 80 seats, which or, would be easier for him. Exactly. Oh my goodness, for sure. Yeah. Now he's got too many good candidates. He's going to have a lot of disappointed faces. Yeah. Last, uh, last but not least, I want to talk about Eastern Quebec who where the PQ had most of their seats. Uh, and they got decimated, uh, with the exception of Matan Matapedia, which we knew, and Gaspis in the in the Madeleine Islands, uh, Ile de la Madeleine, yeah. yeah. uh, and of course the third seat being in Montreal. Yeah, um, pretty bad for the PQ. I mean, uh, nobody. I mean, writings like um, Duplessis and like these are heavy, heavy PQ writings that just yeah. went down. They just fell like a sandcastle. No, for sure. And and I mean, this is, I, I, again, I, I, as much as I see um, Paul Saint-Pierre Plamondon keep staying on uh, as leader, they don't really have much of a choice at this point, um, because I don't think anybody else wants the job. The, the this, this is an end of an era, for sure. I don't see how they're able to maintain any type of uh, party status, um, you know, with three seats in itself. That's going to be negotiated in the coming days, but it's exactly. tough. It's tough. How do you... Like, how do you make an exception? Like, even Quebec Solidaire, I mean, just for everyone listening, to be to, to have the, 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 the status of, you know, the, the official status of a party, you need 12 seats. Quebec Solidaire or 20, has... Or 20% of the, of the or population. 20, yeah, or 20%, which they don't have. Um, 
So for Quebec Solidaire, I mean, one seat, maybe they could make it. They did it last time. They did it last time for both Quebec Solidaire and the PQ. Uh, and this time, Quebec Solidaire came much closer to the 12th seat. So maybe they can bend the rules. But for, for the PQ, I, I don't know what they're going to negotiate. Maybe they won't make them, they won't give them an official status, but they're going to approve like a, um, uh, like a budget, like a functioning budget, kind of like an operations budget for them so they can have like a research department and stuff. But they won't make him an official party, so they won't have that much room and that that much uh, that much time uh, during question period. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, this is up in the air. They're going to be negotiating it. But uh, all this to say, and just to wrap that up uh, in terms of the results, Pascal Berube in the Matan, the most popular politician, won by the 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 most the most popular vote, I guess, sixty seven or sixty eight percent. Yeah, huge margin. No, sur- no surprise there. I mean, Pascal Berube. Uh, his royalty <laughs> in his writing. Uh, it's huge. 67%. I mean, that's. Uh... No, for sure. And, and again, I, I, it's tough to watch this. It's tough to watch the end of political era, even though it's a party that I know that neither of us support, but it, it you know, you see the decimation of, of a political historical, um, you know, being like the Parti Québécois. It's, uh, it's pretty tough to watch that. So, you know, in the coming days, you know, what, what's going to be important for a lot of um, these political parties? What's going through their mindset right now? Let me let me Drop. ask you something. Sorry to interrupt you, Michael. Let me ask something. If you are Dominic Anglade right now mm. and your party is it has suffered two consecutive elections, um, you want to pick it up and strategically now in the House, you want to have to implement a little bit more of your presence. Do you become that rough person and say you know what screw that i'm not recognizing those parties i'm not giving those parties official status i'm getting most of the time i want the visibility it's for my own party's uh survival uh and risk being called you know the the mean person or whatever is going to come you know is going to follow from that or do you bite the bullet and say you know what it would be uh it would be ungrateful to do that it would uh, it would be counterproductive let me just give them that status to the detriment of my party, because you're obviously going to get much less time. Listen, I, I think that, uh, you know, for her, she wants the op- the other opposition parties to have as little uh, oxygen as possible and as little space as possible. And that's restricting their budget. Legault wants, uh, you know, uh, the POQ to look irrelevant. And that only helps. That's only helped when he has uh, other opposition parties, uh, you know, being able to have a, a you know, a, an equal platform or a similar somewhat yeah. equal platform in that sense there. So he'll be in favor I'm so sure. the ball, so the ball really is in Dominique Anglade's court right now. It's up to her. Well, to yes and no. I mean, it's it's something that has to be negotiated by through all the parties. But I mean, at the end of the day, the government is really going to have to decide um, how they want to have this go forward. They again, it was it was the CAC that decided back in 2018. You know, the the financing that would that would occur for both Quebec Solidaire and the PQ, which one with 10 seats, so that was under that threshold that they needed to get um, of 12, and obviously under 20 percent of the popular vote for them to have, um, you know, official party status. So there was an exception that was made there in that sense. But I think given the, the, the results now, maybe with the standard of, you know, 10 seats, that new threshold, that's not codified. That that was an exception for the last parliament, for the last legislature. Will that be maintained by Legault going forward? That's the big question. I think part of me thinks that he would want that. Um, part of me thinks that he would want uh, to do that and maybe by extension also give the PQ a little bit of a boost. Um, the PQ, I would say, does take a little bit 
away from um, Legault's messaging, especially when it comes to uh, the francisation, immigration, things of that nature, which are the bread and butter of, of the PQ, um, maybe it doesn't benefit him to give him uh, give give official party status to PSPP, but maybe just give it to Quebec Solidaire. Right. I don't know. But I think for, for Anglade, she does not want, she would not want um, her opponents in the opposition uh, benches to have um, more resources to uh, get attention and, and get their message yeah. out there. Interesting. Uh, let's quickly get over uh, the, the point on the polling data. Uh, Leger, uh, proving once again their credibility. Absolutely. They, they were within uh, like a very small margin um, of actually, you know, calling it right on the nose uh, for um, the the election itself. And the thing is, too, is that every single election, um, you know, pollster, there's 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 hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe even millions of dollars um, that is poured into polling uh, in Quebec. And this is polling on behalf of news organizations. This is polling done by political parties, by interest groups that are looking, you know, to understand where the population uh, sits on certain issues. And that way they can take that especially in the pre-campaign, they can take that data and then go as a lobby group, go to political parties and say, look how many you know individuals believe in our cause. Um, these are your voters. These are people that you know have a, have a say and, and they believe in something that we believe in. And that's why it's important that we're lobbying you right now. But in any case, there's a lot of money that's spent and Leger is a, one of those larger firms. They're one of those larger firms that has a big presence across Canada, but it is, uh, you know, a, a Florence du Québec. And, and so in, in any case, they get a lot of criticism because they were, um, you know, by and large, the PCQ was getting very low rankings from Leger Marketing, mm. very low rankings, the PCQ. Let's break it down in terms of what it was. Leger had the CAC at 38 as for, from the 2nd of October. The official election results for the CAC were about 41%. So they were off by three points there. Mm -hmm. but they were underestimating the CAC. They had the QS at 15%. QS came in at 15% officially from the results. Mm -hmm. They had the PQ at 15%. They had them a little bit under. 14.6 was the official result. Liberals, they overestimated at 17%. They came in at 14.3%. And for the Conservative Party of Quebec, they had them at 14%. They actually underestimated, they overestimated them. They actually came in only at 12.9%. Uh, right. My point being is that they, you know, they, and, and Jean-Marc Léger, somebody who's one of the most respected pollsters and political commentators in the country, was receiving death threats uh, <laughs> from conservative party activists, from people saying that he was, uh, you know, discredited, trying to discredit uh, Eric Zouaim and trying to, you know, not give him, was, was man actually manipulating the polling data itself and calling him fake news and, and, and again, threats to anybody is just completely inappropriate. But my point being is that it goes to show, you know, what he was reporting, the data that he was getting from 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 his pollsters on the ground is really uh, what was occurring in the writings from the official results off by a very small uh, percentage. So kudos to him for for being uh, really on top uh, of getting that that polling data and getting the the closest to the official results of any any other pollster. Speaking speaking of the uh, vote percentage, uh, the main question now that is coming up is electoral reform in Quebec, and the reason for that is because you have all three well liberals, uh, Quebec Solidaire, Parti Québécois, and the Conservative Party all around fourteen percent, let's say a little over, a little under. Uh, and the way that the electoral system is made here is that the liberals with the least amount uh, of, well, excluding the, 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 the conservative party. So let's say we take the parties that are in the house right now, 
CAC, Liberals, QS, and PQ from the four parties, the Liberals have the least amount of popular vote, yet they made opposition with 21 seats. Um, and you have Quebec Solidaire, uh, yeah, Quebec Solidaire that has 15%. So the most of all, you know, the opposition that has only 11 seats and the PQ has three. Meanwhile, uh, the conservatives with, you know, just under 13% have zero. Uh, some are calling it, in, uh, you know, uh, unjust. Some are, you know, calling for a, a change in the electoral reform, uh, an electoral reform. The liberals are staying very quiet. Obviously, we can understand why. <laughs> and so is the CAC because they got they got you know they got ninety seats. So they're they're. I, I don't think anything's going to come from them. But it's interesting. It's an interesting situation. It's the first time I see this. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, you're 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 seeing. Um, and this happens every election. Is that there's always a you know a, a call for for electoral reform that that we need to abolish the first past the post uh, system that we have currently in place and that has has been in place for quite some time obviously since confederation and it, it dates back obviously to westminster in terms of uh you know the the system that we use today you know but, but you look at the breakdown of, of the vote totals right the 590,000 votes um you know it gives you uh you know 21 seats 600 thousand votes gives you three seats and then 530,000 votes give you zero seats you know all around that same sort of you know 550,000 vote marker you see that the, as you noted the, the the difference between um you know the the political party uh final uh, seat counts it, it really is um it is quite telling from that perspective the the one thing that I'll note that I think is a little bit um you know important just in terms of the history of this is that you know, François Legault in the 2018 campaign uh, did run on electoral reform yeah. as a, as a major part of his uh, campaign, and that he wanted to reform the electoral system because, again, like you said, it just isn't fair. Mm -hmm. It needs to either be a mixed proportional system, or or there needs to be some sort of a system that's implemented. And he pulled that reform about a year in. Um, or pull the plans for the reform about a year into to going into it and 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 knew that it was easier for him it was easier for his party to win under the current system to get that majority under the current system and stay alive under the current system so he knew very well that it was beneficial for him to pull that that reform now uh, there, there will be people that are saying that this is important to go forward that they need to be some sort of reform it's not going to happen the one thing that i would say is that he did have one of his candidates i believe um over in uh the uh i want to say the Rennes Levesque riding um i can't remember her name um but my point being is that she came out and said that uh for her and for the CAQ that electoral reform is her first priority oh, yes, I when asked by a journalist, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is obviously not in line with, with the Mr. Legault's messaging and obviously with what the CAC is thinking right now. So definitely needs to pull some of his candidates back on, on to, in line in terms of going down that route. But I don't think you're going to see any, uh, any real call for uh, for a change on this. Front. Yeah. Cause I'll be honest with you. I'm not a big fan of uh, the proportional system, but I do agree. And, 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 and I'm not a, a fan of anything that Eric Duhem said uh, in his platform. Uh, I mean, I'm not aligned with that, but I do agree that a party like his that manages to get over half a million votes, not to have their voice represented. If I don't think it's right at the very least, he should get some sort of funk, uh, like operation budget or to be able to do press conferences when he wants to in the national assembly, like yeah. something to, guarantee a presence of that party in the house and, and i'm sure Cosmo would love that i'm sure he'd love to give him resources and would love to give 
you know, the guy who's coming to, you know, break his legs over in the in the Quebec City region. Yeah. Uh, as much resources as possible. It's never going to happen. No, it's not. It's not. But we're ta just talking about what what is fair and what isn't. I mean, I, I think it sucks for them, to be honest with you. Um, let's move on because I know that you have to go soon. Uh, potential cabinet. So we spoke about yeah. Legault having a very he's going to have a hard and you know a difficult task now to form his cabinet. He has 90 MAs. Obviously, not all of them have what it takes to become a minister. But he, now what he has to do is juggle between what he has now and the new people that he wants to potentially bring in, who gets cut, who doesn't, who moves around, who loses by moving, who gets promoted by um, by changing, I mean, and who gets promoted by changing. Um, what do you think? Any any newcomers coming in or from the people that were there already, who's going to be right. moved around? So let's just set the table first and foremost in terms of what spaces we know will be open uh, come uh, uh, come the formation of the next uh, you know cabinet. Daniel McCann, Nadine Giroux, and Marguerite Blais did not run for re-election. And so that opens up higher education. It opens up uh, international relations and also seniors. So seniors. these are three places. And we also know, we also know that Jean, Jean Boulet, Boulet, because of his immigration comments, has been disqualified from being minister responsible for immigration on that front there. He also had the portfolio of um, uh, travail, employee. Employment so and social solidarity, yeah. So the labor portfolio, essentially, uh, he won't, won't be qualified for that. And my, my point being is that he might very well not find himself uh, with a seat mm. in cabinet as well. So we have to be uh, understanding of that. Then who do we know is back in for sure? Eric Girard will be staying at finance. Pierre Fitzgibbon will be staying at economy. Uh, you know, Sonia Lebel uh, will, will, will probably merit something, maybe a little bit more. Maybe she'll be taking on a new economic portfolio because, uh, you know, the... the they, they've been talking about a regional economic development. So maybe putting her there on top of a larger portfolio, um, you know, who, uh, like a treasury board, for example. So giving her a little bit of additional responsibility with dealing with the, with the, um, with the, uh, the, the treasury board and regions. Um, there also has to be a balance, uh, a parité between the regions, which they're very heavy in. And in terms of the seats, of the CAC one, and also the, um, the, the Montreal, the urban center like that, Quebec City, an urban center like that, and the balance between men and women. It was in 2007 that Jean Charest, he was the first, uh, you know, premier to get in sort of that parité homme-femme. Yeah, it was almost there, yeah. Almost. Even within the, the parité homme-femme has always been between 40 to 60%. Mm -hmm. That has been, that's all, that's been the standard rule for la, la, la zone paritaire, as they mm. put it in Quebec City. And that's always been the, the standard that they want there. Um, and then at the beginning of, of the mandate for François Legault in 2018, he made sure that it was 13 men, 13 women. That was pretty historic from that standpoint. And, you know, it's with, with 41 women elected to the CAC caucus, that's 45% of the CAC caucus. And that's not a, uh, a low number right there. So mm -hmm. it's the most women, to my understanding, ever elected to the Quebec National Assembly for any mm -hmm. party. And that that's, that sends a very strong message there. So again, who do we see then coming in? Now that we've, we've set the table, where do we see people going? Um, I, I think by and large, one of the biggest gains that we, or one of the, 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 the people that needs to get rewarded is going to be Bernard Drainville. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, who's somebody who already has experience at the cabinet table, Martine Biron, uh, coming from Radio Canada, being a, a, a very promising and trusted voice 
um, uh, in, in news media. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you also have people like that we want to maintain, Francois Bonardel. Uh, he's a pillar of the, you know, of the, of the, of the CAQ, um, you know, fortress, I would say. Uh, so I think it's important to to understand that the you know the question is um, in in the you have, again going back to those regions and the fact that you need to get more women into the cabinet that's where you're going to start seeing people maybe like an Eric or a Jonathan Julien maybe them not being returned to cabinet they might be seating their place for more women in the cabinet mm-hmm. um, you have somebody like Chantal Rouleau on the island of Montreal who was already minister responsible for Montreal and the delegate minister for transport she'll probably be coming back she'll probably but, coming back because she's doing somebody only... but yeah. also but next neighboring next to her even though it's her neighbor up in Anjou-Luriel Karine Boivin-Roy, who has experience on the executive committee of, of the city of Montreal, who was a city councillor in Montreal, who ha- has a very good understanding of municipal issues, maybe she'll find uh, a yeah, way. Yeah, but municipal issues, uh, so does Chantal Rouleau. That's where she came from. So I think if he wants to go with experience, I, I don't, I'm not so sure he's going to want to sideline someone like that. Hmm. Which brings the question to I the... Think he, I think he keeps both of them inside. Two two ministers from the region of Montreal? Absolutely. You need, he doesn't have he doesn't have much to choose from. He doesn't from. have, he's right. Hoping, George, he was hoping to pick up seats like Maurice Richard. Right. He, was, he was hoping to pick up seats like in Brossard in uh, in La Pinière. He was hoping to pick up more seats on the island. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't come to fruition. Mind you, he made some gains in Laval, so I think he's going to maybe focus a lot yeah. more there. I see Christopher Skeet going in with a junior cabinet post. No, um, you don't. No, I don't. I think. I think. Listen, he cut his teeth as parliamentary assistant to the prime minister to the premier. Um, for, on the English, for, uh, yeah, the English on, thing hurt him, I think, too. But but you have somebody like Selin Haitayan. Uh, you know, yeah, he, with an economic profile as well. Yeah, but, but also was having you know with an, dealing with international affairs. She was working for a multinational like Ubisoft. Mm. Um, I think she's certainly one of the candidates to consider, but. Um, uh, that that would be that would be sad for Christopher Skeet getting passed on, but uh, I I like him. Uh, I mean, he's been on the podcast as well. Um, the other thing, though, uh, don't forget that he picked up Rouen Noranda. That's a nice little region for him to yeah. put a minister in, and he has the first ever woman uh, um, uh, indigenous. Uh, and an indigenous woman uh, elected in, I think it's uh, Duplessis, I think. Yeah, that was it was uh, Catherine Champagne Jourdain. That's right. Um, so we, I we, I hope he gives them some uh, room as well in cabinet. Yeah, I think that would make sense. I think that's that's the path he's going down for for in that sense. I, I think that she would definitely um, play play a, a, an important role. I don't see her being, for example, minister responsible for indigenous relations. I think Yann Lafreniere is doing a great job there, and you don't necessarily want to put an indigenous person right. in, in, a, in a portfolio like that it gets very di- delicate and dicey mm-hmm. um you you know the m- most people most political commentators would say and most people that have been in working inside of cabinets especially in the premier's office or prime minister's office in ottawa would say it's you n- you never put an indigenous person um into have to enact the indian act jody wilson rabel even came out and said this how it was insulting uh when justin trudeau uh, had uh, you know, came in and offered her that that posting uh, when he wanted to get her out of justice. Out of justice uh, when uh, the whole SNC Lavalin uh, scandal was going on in, in in Ottawa, but that's Ottawa politics. Yeah. Um, 
the number of uh, M- uh, ministers. I know that Francois Legault is not a fan of change. I know, and he yeah. said that himself. He goes, listen, I prefer having people maintain that expertise uh, and the knowledge they've acquired in their cabinet post and, and just carry that forward into another mandate, which does make sense in terms of uh, efficiency uh, rather than having people change around and having to learn again uh, all the files. Um, do you think he's going to increase the number or do you I think pretty he much will. leave I it think, around the same? And you know who gave him uh, cover for being able to increase that number? That's Doug Ford over in Ontario. When Doug won a larger majority uh, back in June, and had to expand cabinets. Um, Doug, uh, Doug's nephew, Michael uh, Ford, was even was even running, and he got a post. He got the immigration portfolio uh, as a minister, so his nephew's in cabinet too. Uh, go figure. But in any case, he got a lot of flack for that. But I think that's um, definitely expanding cabinet to bring in a lot of this talent. It's the, some of these these files, George, are heavy. We know how heavy they are. COVID has made it even worse. Uh, there, the, I think an expansion of, of cabinet isn't a bad thing. Um, you know. In terms of some of the less secure positions, too, I think that somebody like Jean-Francois Rebelge is out of education. Yeah, um, I, I don't see him being in there. Um, you know, the Nathalie Roy, uh, you know, was was part of the the, the first cohort of elected khakis in, in 2012. Um, I, I don't see her maybe staying and maybe she'll be switched to a more junior portfolio because she hasn't really been performing all that well at culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, in Ibitsiviti Miskamayang, uh, what will happen to Pierre Dufault, the Minister of Forests? Um, Daniel Bernard is is a is is the the Roy Noranda, former municipal councillor, former um, Liberal MNA, Liberal, yeah. Quebec Solidaire, like you mentioned, uh, with the Holm Fondry going on there. Like, what's going to happen in terms of of that? Maybe giving him a seat at the cabinet table will help on that from that perspective. Um, and I think given the composition of the National Assembly, the choice of parliamentary leader is going to be essential, too, mm. because uh, I think most people would say that Jean-Yves Barrette did a good job, doesn't come off as the nicest guy in the room. And maybe it would be better to have him focusing on justice issues, pushing and, and francisation, pushing through 2196, ensuring that they're, they're, they're off to a smooth start uh, as, uh, as laws. Um, you know, he's in conflict also with the chief judge of the court of Quebec. Mm. Um, but there, there's no doubt that, you know, he will have a place at the cabinet table in itself. So I think I, I, I would see Sonia Lebel as a good leader in the house. Yeah. A nice little promotion for her as well. Um, we'll see. I mean, that's going to be interesting. Uh, let's move on over right before we wrap up the last topic uh, that everyone has been talking about is what's going to happen in the liberal party of Quebec uh, Dominique Anglade came out on Monday night as if she won the election, high-fiving and uh, jumping of joy. And it's not the first time we see that. Probably won't be the last. I mean, they want to save their job. They want to save their position as a leader. So they need to find the positive spin. Uh, I'm not so sure there is a positive spin over here. The only one that you know the, she managed to, to come up with was that she maintained the opposition because that became an issue. And we spoke about that where it became a race for second place out of the four parties. Right. And, but you know, she, you know, the members are a little upset because for the members, you know, the liberal party is not there to be in opposition. The liberal yeah. party is there to govern. And if you're going to be in opposition, at least make sure that you've reinforced that opposition and that you've done better than when you've left off. You mentioned that they start off with 31 seats. They're left with 21 now. So she's lost uh, M&As. She's lost popular vote. Um, the party is really crumbling under her feet 
And she came out and said, you know, this is amazing. We're going to be the best opposition in the next coming weeks, months, and years. We're going to demonstrate to people that the Liberal Party is, uh, is, is, is going to be the best party in the National Assembly. Basically, by saying so, uh, she is imposing her will on remaining on as a leader. We don't know what discussions were had uh, during the, uh, the 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 first caucus meeting. There's definitely going to be discussions among the the leadership of the of the members. So the riding uh, association presidents are going to be called in for a, for a, for a meeting as well. Yeah, I'm not so sure. In the back end, it's going to be uh, it's going to look uh, pretty for her. Yeah, and and so a few things on this front right now. Let's just set the table in terms of what's happening at the POQ. Linda Caron, who was the president up until the day that she was elected uh, in Brossard and the writing of La Pinière, uh, has obviously vacated the presidency. That will be taken over on an interim basis by Carlos Leitao. So Carlos Leitao will, will occupy the presidency of the party until uh, a future convention, probably in 2023. And during that time, there's a lot of uh, financial constraints that the party has to deal with, they got uh, way less uh, than they got in 2018. And of course, it's $1.70 per vote uh, for each uh, vote that they get. Um, they're they're going to be getting millions of dollars less uh, than, than what they got previously um, over the course of the past four years. And so it's the she might have she was able to limit the, her losses um, by bringing it to 21 seats, but it's still an historic low. Yeah, 14.4% of the popular vote. Um, it's it's going to have a huge hit on the finances. Uh, you know, the again, it was it, I think it was around 35 candidates only got 15% of the votes, 15% uh, in their writings there. That's the minimum threshold for reimbursement. Um, it's going to be difficult, I think. And on top of that, the PLQ had also uh, taken out a loan on their permanence in Old Montreal on Queen Street, um, I think for $5 million uh, that they leveraged against, uh, they leveraged the, the, their property on Queen Street to, to be able to finance the, this election. They're going to have to sell that building now for sure. That, that, that property is sold. So can you just imagine the Journal de Montréal article that comes out when, it, when you know, the PLQ having to sell everything uh, just to stay alive? It's, it's pretty, pretty sad from that perspective. On Anglade herself, I think that um, I think that they were. I think the people around her advisors, and she was shocked that it wasn't as bad as it was. I think they were expecting probably between ten and fifteen seats, and twenty-one for them was like, oh my god, maybe I can I can hold on to my job, not just her but her staff as well. And they were yeah. just relieved at this point. And this is, yeah, this is the main issue. And I've spoken to a couple members, uh, some other writing association presidents, and it appears that. By what she said, don't forget that the entire campaign, she was, we see big, you know, the yeah. Liberal Party, we see big, Francois Legault sees small, we have ambition and they don't. And that whole rhetoric clashes completely with her accepting mediocrity uh, in the results that she got. So for me, th there's a paradox over there. And um, I I'm not so sure. I, I don't know. It's what you said. Like they're happy that they got twenty one seats, but at the same time, it's like, what well, are you? This is what the party has been reduced to. The, the this, you know, we're accepting to be yeah. mediocre at this point. Yeah, and I, I remind you that you know Andrew Shear increased uh, the vote, the the, the voter seats. Yeah. Sorry, the seats for the Conservative Party of Canada in twenty nineteen, and was still um, pushed out as leader. Uh, a bit by caucus and a bit by 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 political movements on the outside too. So it was a mix of both. 
Aaron O'Toole, uh, you know, again, saw a minor seat reduction when he ran in 2021 for the conservatives and uh, was. But he also increased the popular vote, too, I think. He increased the popular vote, but he all but it, it was more because uh, he had, um, you know, betrayed caucus when it came to their environmental platform, where he was going way too far, way too far to the center, even to the left in terms of pushing a an environmental plan that just didn't appease conser- the conservative base nor the conservative caucus members. But the fact that he had lost seats on top of that, easy exit for him on that point. So my thinking is that watch the knives come out when the parliamentary session starts up again. Watch the knives come out when people start to see her struggle again in the, in the, in the media um you know to get airtime to really you know people start realizing shit we're back here again in the opposition it's gonna be like this for yeah i mean it's i i i'm i don't think it's gonna be pleasant being in caucus and for those wondering out of the 21 mnas in the liberal caucus there's 10 or 11 that were there from before and the rest are new so it's almost half half uh logically and this is just a complete assumption i'm making the the half that came in that are new are probably going to support Dominic Anglad because she's the one that, you know, uh, gave him this chance to run and they got elected. The other half, however, probably won't want her there. Uh, they probably like, look, look, look where you brought us. So I, I, I'm curious to, to, to see how that dynamic is going to evolve um, in the coming months. We'll see. We'll have, to, we'll have to come back and record another podcast. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll keep doing this. Uh, I know you got to go, buddy. Thank you so much for doing this whole series during the campaign. We've been getting comments, and we want to thank everyone for their comments. Yes. Uh, thank you guys for uh, doing this journey with us. Michael, um, we're going to see each other very uh, soon, I'm imagining. Um, thanks again, man. I really appreciate the time that you took and uh, all the knowledge that you brought to the um, to the show. I'm, I'm happy somebody recognizes it because most people still don't. I have no knowledge. Well, Damn so. them, Michael. Damn. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take it easy. All right. Take care, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye.